Welcome to Christ Chapel College, the college outreach of Christ Chapel Bible Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We hope everyone experiences what Jesus calls abundant life. So we unapologetically point to Him as the source of life and joy. If you're a college student in the Fort Worth area, we'd be stoked to connect with you. Find out more at ChristChapelCollege.org and on Instagram at ChristChapelCollege. God. Hey, good morning. How are we? We awake? Yes. May you guys be praying for half of TCU, which is driving uh, back from Austin this morning. Um, fun, uh, fun night last night. Um, my name is Ben. I'm one of the pastors here at Christ Chapel who gets to be a part of the team that oversees uh, this ministry. Um, if I haven't gotten a chance to meet you, I'd love to meet you at some point. Um, I'm excited. What's going to happen today is a little different than normal. We've been, if you're new, we've been in a series on the book of Galatians. And so we started it, I think the first week of the semester, we started and we've just been working all the way through. We've got two weeks left um, in Galatians, uh, two more sermons in, in chapter six. Uh, and, and like Zach and Nathan said, we won't have uh, two Sunday mornings in this room the next two Sundays. So we've only got two more weeks left. And so um, we'll pick up with Galatians when we get back from Thanksgiving. Uh, my boy Asher gets to preach the next sermon, which is awesome in chapter six. Do not miss that one. And then I get to finish up the book uh, the last Sunday before Christmas break. But today, we kind of had this gap, and, and as a staff, we kind of wrestled with, man, what is on our heart to really share with you guys? And so this is going to be kind of a, a one-off sermon, but specifically a one-off sermon on something that, um, as the Lord has continued to impress on my heart, um, just our prayers for you guys, and, and specifically even for our, um, our own, my own heart, something that I keep coming back to, and even in light of Thanksgiving, is this idea and this concept of biblical Thanksgiving. Right, the idea of gratitude and this this beautiful um, thing that has should grow in believers of gratitude and thanksgiving, and so that's where we're going. You're about to, you know, in a week and a half, be home potentially or at a Thanksgiving table somewhere, uh, hopefully, and you're going to have the cheesy uncle that's going to say, "What are you thankful for?" and everyone has to go around and share, or the grandmother who does that. And I really want to challenge us that our depth of how we answer that question um, as believers um, should be a remarkable thing. Um, and so that's where we're going. I'm going to do a few things in this sermon. One, I'm going to make a case for, and I spend a good amount of time just making a case that this idea of thankfulness is, uh, is not just something that uh, feeds God's ego, that I'm not thankful simply because I serve an insecure God who's up in heaven saying, you better say thank you, but there's something so much more powerful. And so I'm going to spend a good amount of time biblically making a case for it, and then we're going to talk about where it really comes from and what it really does. Um, there's... This concept um, that I see throughout my life of things that kind of have um, the power to just override everything else in, in life. And so, you know, there's certain things or movements or, or things that happen that when they happen, everything else you kind of lose perspective of. Let me give you um, an example. A little sneak peek behind this um, ministry. So our college staff, they office in that up there behind those curtains is kind of the shared workspace. And so our Christ Chapel College staff, they all have desks up there and that's where they work. And so if you're here grabbing coffee and you look up there and you see, you know, Zach and Nathan arm wrestling or whatever, you'll know they're hard at work up there. Um, and so that's where we work. Well, up there, there is a door. If you're ever in our offices, there's a door on the side of the offices that leads into this back storage closet. And that storage closet, I'm letting you guys behind the curtain here of this building 
in ministry, it's this weird hallway that stretches down and it passes like this rack of technology, right? It's like robots and things that blink and I'm not sure what it is, but it's this massive rack that looks expensive and then there's HVAC and all this stuff. And if you wind your way back here on the second floor of this building, it's this kind of narrow hallway with all these wires and stuff and then it opens up and there's this huge storage area all back here. And in that storage area, there is a desk and a chair. And it is one of my favorite places to do sermon prep because nobody knows I'm there and it's hidden back there and I can just get back there and pray and work on prep and and do things that I know I I don't want to get distracted by. Here's what happened about two or three weeks ago. Something on that rack of technology that I said is seriously for three straight weeks making a very high-pitched humming noise that is deafening if you're in that room, right? Like it is just this high pitch, for a, I mean, it's just constant. For three weeks, it's been going, right? And something might be about to explode. This could be our last service. I'm not sure. I love you. Miss you. No regrets. Um, but it's this thing. And with that humming noise, right, there is, I have, there is no ability to do anything else, right? It is something that overrides your ability to be productive or to have any thought other than, what is happening, right? That's the only thought. It just kind of pushes everything out, right? And so there's this concept of, of this overriding thought. Another, and that's kind of a, a negative connotation of that. A positive connotation for me would be the ranch dressing principle, right? You put ranch dressing on something, no matter what it is, you're now just eating the flavor of ranch, right? So you eat a chicken sandwich with ranch, you're now just eating a ranch, just it has a different texture, right? You eat a salad, at least the way I put ranch on my salad, it's, lettuce is just an excuse to eat ranch so I don't look weird with a bowl of ranch, right? Because that would be, I would be judged for that. Same thing, french fries and ranch are just, french fries are just potato spoons so that I can eat ranch without looking weird, right? And so, yeah, it's gross, right? Um, uh, you'll forever think of french fries as just potato spoons for ranch, um, or ketchup, or whatever it is, right? So there's this idea that, man, there's certain things in our world, even in silly, cheesy ways like that, that just when they happen, it just overrides everything else. I really believe biblical, deep, gospel-centered gratitude and thankfulness is one of those things that God has designed for the Christian life that when done properly, when done right, when done deeply and correctly and in line and in unison with the Holy Spirit for those who are in Christ, in an amazingly freeing, beautiful way, it just pushes out the noise, right? It pushes out um, things that don't belong there. It, it overwhelms in really, really positive ways. I believe that, um, and I believe um, just we're gonna see that as I make a case for that throughout scripture. Um, and we need that, right? Thankfulness right, can have that really positive effect in our life. Um, and, and we need all the help we can get, right? Because Nathan said it, we are broken people, right? We, we recognize that sin has broken us. Now we are not left in our brokenness. We are not um, excused to just stay broken, but we are called to be what, what scripture says, sanctified and matured and grown and, and set free from those things. But there is sin um, throughout, and we've studied it in Galatians, specifically in Galatians 5, most recently, right? We, we saw this fruit of the flesh, if you remember. Uh, Nathan preached last, uh, last week, and just we see this idea of 
you know, what, what my flesh produces, the works of the flesh are, um, are, are damaging, right? We see it again in the beginning of Ephesians 2. We see it in 1 Corinthians 6. We see it all throughout Scripture. These, like, just laundry lists of these things that can come out of us, things like lust, right? Things like anxiety, things like just discouragement and disillusionment that isn't the joy God desires to produce in us. Envy and jealousy and anger, pride, fear, all of these things are things that we are stuck in. So I need, I need the Lord to keep teaching me and my hope for you. God, how do I push those things out? How do I kill those things? How do the, the anger I have, the lack of forgiveness I have for that family member that I'm gonna potentially go home and see or I can't wrap my brain around going home because of what that person has done to me. And every time I see them, I, I might think I'm good and then all of a sudden I see them and I realize that just fruit of anger or jealousy or, or lust or whatever it is pops up in our life. We need that. We feel stuck in that. I believe thankfulness and gratitude is a part of a tool that God uses um, towards a solution to get unstuck from that. Right, And so um, as we see this case being made, I want to show you numerous times, and I'm just going to put three up here, uh, of Paul's intros to letters. So let's throw up on the screen um, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Look what Paul does, right? So this is to the, the Thessalonian church. Uh, he says, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. This is his intro. Grace to you and peace. Uh, from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. And look at verse 3. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers and sisters, as is right. So right off the bat, he builds this idea of thankfulness right into his intro. Colossians chapter 1. He does a similar thing. Colossians chapter 1 says this. We always thank God, the Father of, your, of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. We see it again uh, throughout their First Timothy, when Paul is addressing First Timothy in chapter 2. He says, first of all, then, I urge you that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. That wasn't just Paul. Paul's very intentional. Throughout Scripture, the Apostle Paul, all of the New Testament writers, the Old Testament, talks about this idea of thankfulness. Thanksgiving isn't just a, a word that Paul was like, well, I got to speak in fours. I got supplication, prayer. I need to round it out with, a, with another word. It's very purposeful. Thanksgiving, this idea, this word of thanksgiving, it happens 102 times in the Old Testament, right? The majority of the times that that word is used, the Hebrew word, uh, uh, 72 times out of that 102, is really defined how we would assume. It's this idea that what is right, that thanksgiving is acknowledging what is right about God in praise and thanksgiving, right? It seems intuitive. In the New Testament, it shows up 71 times. And it's really this idea that it is to show oneself grateful. And so I, I think a case is made throughout Scripture, for one, this idea of thanksgiving and thankfulness and gratitude as being very synonymous. But also the case is made throughout Scripture. I mean, it's consistent. It is a consistent command for those who read God's word, for those who say, man, I want to follow Christ with my life. It is a consistent command. I, I think you'd have a hard time reading any book in the Bible and not seeing this command to be thankful. God's very intentional on that. And as I alluded to um, in the intro of the sermon, I don't think it's because God's insecure. I don't think it's because, man, I, these guys better be thanking me for all this stuff, and I got some insecurity, and I've done a lot for them. And they've, no, it, there is a, it is a, a genuine and correct response 
to something that he has done, and it has a genuine power to it, connected to who he is, right? It's powerful, right? The, the idea that if you feel stuck in lust, that gratitude is this weapon that God has given you. If you feel stuck in anxiety, not to oversimplify um, the, the patterns in our life, but anxiety or fear, um, jealousy, anger, those things, um, I think we're going to see the, the argument made that gratitude is a weapon against sin and is a defense against the enemy in our lives. I'll say that again. Gratitude is a weapon. Scripturally, biblically, it is a weapon against sin uh, on the offensive to, to kill sin in our life. And it is also a shield. It is a defense against the enemy who's coming after us. And when I say th- that word enemy, I always think, um, I think John 10.10. That's where my head goes. John 10.10 um, Jesus says there is an enemy here to kill, steal, and destroy, right? That that's what the enemy is, is doing, that he is, he's lurking about to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I came to give life and life abundantly. And so it's this, this beautiful thing that Jesus does, but there is an enemy who's coming to rob us of the fruit that God desires to, to bring. So here's the catch, right? If, if gratitude is this um, really potentially powerful thing that I think very honestly, we're not fully utilizing and taking advantage of in our life, there's a catch. Because I think it's usually unwise to oversimplify God's design and truth to pithy little statements and and behavior modifications to just believe we're doing better in the Christian life. To walk out of here and just say, okay, I'm going to be more thankful, I guess, as a Christian. And then I won't struggle with these sin patterns. Um, I think to oversimplify can be really dangerous, right? To just say, I'm going to be a more positive person would be, I think, missing the mark of what Scripture is calling us to. This concept, right, of a, of a freeing and transformative gratitude, not just that you're positive people when you leave the service today, but that this kind of gratitude is actually spiritually freeing and transformative in your life, there's got to be depth there. Right, that's not just a behavior that you're like, all right, I guess I'm going to be nicer and more thankful. There is a depth there for it to genuinely work, for it to become a deep and powerful reality is more than just us walking out of here more optimistic. Right? It's an inside-out miracle of God. That kind, this kind of gratitude that's going to free us from sin and, and let us walk in the freedom, that, that is an inside-out working miracle of God that we can fuel and we can feed and we can submit to in our life or we can not and we can ignore. And if we are not doing that, if we're like, yeah, okay, a sermon on thankfulness, if we're not doing that, then I really believe we're conceding, we are missing out um, on our designer giving us a way to fight sin giving us a way to, to shield off um, the enemy in our life. If we walk out of here today and it just felt like a pep talk to be more thankful, I think we've missed it. And also, I don't think it's going to last. I hope you leave encouraged and challenged, but if it's just a pep talk to be more thankful, I think we're not digging deep enough. So that's, um, that's going to be really important. So this gratitude, this Thanksgiving, it's got to be deep. deep. Um, and we've got to get more personal with that. Right, and so we see a case for this, right? We see it all throughout Scripture, a consistent command. I think throughout Scripture, God has laid that out, but I want us to also see the source of that kind of deep, life-changing gratitude and then also the symptoms. Let me talk about the source. Um, here we go. Romans, right? Romans uh, chapter 1, verse 21. We're going to see what happens when there isn't that thankfulness. Um, so here's what Paul says. For the, although they knew God, 
they did not honor him as God or give him thanks, right? They didn't give thanks to him, but they became futile, right? In their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Right here, we see this negative effect of what happens when thankfulness isn't a part of their life, right? Those whose hearts had been darkened. They knew God and they did not synonymously honor him as God or give thanks to him. And what happens, right? What happens is it become futile in their thinking and their hearts are darkened, right? Do we see the correlation there between thank, thankfulness and giving thanks to God and then the correlation between then the condition of our heart? Let me, let me give an Old Testament example. Let me set up the context for this. Um, the Israelites were God's people um, all throughout the Old Testament, God's people, the Israelites, are just in and out of disobedience and up and down, and it's a wild ride for them because, uh, we're going to see here in Numbers, because they just are forgetful and don't, they don't have that gratitude. They don't have that thankfulness. I mean, they are enslaved in Egypt, right? They're enslaved in Egypt. God shows up, brings Moses, sets them free. Miracles happen. They literally walk through a Red Sea. God's people set free from bondage, a bondage that lasted for hundreds of years. They get to the other side. They're like, God, you're awesome. Thank you so much. Within days, they just forget it. They forget all that God had done. And with days later, weeks later, they just become a grumbling people. Time and time again, God provides. God does miracles. God sets them free. And they go grumbling, 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 grumbling. I mean, Numbers 14, this is sobering. Um, in verse 27, we'll put it up on the screen. This is God. He says this. He says, how long shall this wicked congregation grumble against me? I've heard the grumblings of the people of Israel, which they grumble against me. Say to them, as I live, declares the Lord, what you have said in my hearing, I will do to you. Your dead bodies shall fall in the wilderness and all of your number listed in the census from 20 years old and upward who have grumbled against me. Here's what's happening. That's sobering. They're, they're grumbling hearts. God, you don't do anything for us. God, we need, man, we, we need this, we need this, we need this, we need this. Where are you? You're the worst. We should go back to Egypt. Egypt is better than this. Those gods were better than, right? And God says, fine. And, and, and it, they were grumbling. Their lack of thanksgiving, their lack of thankfulness, right? Forgetting all that God had done actually had damning consequences, right? And the fact that an entire generation is what he's talking about was going to, okay, you're never going to see the promised land. You're going to end up dying in the wilderness, never actually seeing the fulfillment of my promise to my people because of this lack of thankfulness in your heart. Huge and weighty and heavy, powerful. Like thanks, thankfulness is not just something you, your cheesy grandmother wants you to talk about around the dinner table a week and a half from now. It's a tool from God for those who are in Christ. It has incredible effects. All right, one more. I want you to look at the source. I want you to look at what David does here. David in the Old Testament, man after God's own heart, has an up and down, up and down um, experience with obedience and disobedience, but just continues to, to repent and follow and make mistakes. And, and in Psalm 103, David writes this. He says, bless the Lord, right? This gratitude, this praise, this thanksgiving. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Then listen to verse 3 and 4. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. 
What is David doing here? He is, thankfulness is coming out of him, but not just coming out of him. He's doing two things I want you to notice. The first is he is training his heart to remember God's thankfulness, right? To remember what he is thankful for. That's what he's doing. This, this verbiage that he uses, bless the Lord, O my soul, that is him. In, in moments when I don't feel thankful, I don't feel close to the Lord. I don't feel all the Jesus feelings. I don't feel like all this overwhelming gratitude for what God's done. That's what David's saying. He's like, when I don't feel it, he's telling his soul. He's saying, soul, bless the Lord. He is telling himself, soul, bless the Lord, because he knows how important it is. He knows how powerful it is. He's not waiting for his feelings to drive it. He knows and says, I am going to train myself to be thankful. I'm going to train my soul to see and to remember and to know and to bless. That's what's happening in Psalm 103. He's training his heart to remember how to be thankful and to who he should be thankful for. And the other things that's happening is he's tapped into, and this is super important, he's tapped into the right depth, the right source for his thankfulness. Right? Why he's thanking God is these deep, rich reasons. Remember, this is King David. So King David could easily be saying, God, thank you for my palace. Thank you for the incredible amount of military victories. I mean, David had some just amazing military victories that God obviously blessed him for. Thank you for my wife and by wife, I mean wives, multiple wives. Thank you for, you know, my health. Thank you that I'm the man. Thank you that you've given me this. Thank you for the country that I get to lead and prosper in and all. I mean, there's numerous things that the king could easily be, and he's not going for any of those things. He's going way deeper than that. All of those things growing on the surface and the circumstances of his life, doesn't, doesn't, he's, that was, that's not his source for where his thankfulness comes from. So often the source for our thankfulness is just shallow circumstantial. And when we're saying, bless the Lord on my soul, we're like, yeah, but I'm discouraged, I'm frustrated, and I might be changing majors, and my girlfriend just broke up with me, and I don't know what to do with my life, and I, right, all of those things, because we're, we don't know how to dig deep. What does he do? His source, he says it, it's, it's forgiveness, right? He's thanking the Lord Verse three, who forgives all your iniquity. Thank you for being a God who forgives my sin. Thank you for being a God who heals. Verse four, thank you for redeeming my life. He's thanking him for redemption. He's thanking him for love and mercy. These deep, deep things that God has done in his, not just his current life, but in his eternity. Right? That is the source of a believer's thankfulness. And if, and, I, and if you're in this room and you're not in Christ, you're not a believer yet and, and you're here and you're checking this out, I love, I love that you're here. You are in the right place. You don't have to fake it. You don't have to pretend like you, that you are a Christian or that you believe everything we believe, right? You are always gonna be welcome in this, in this room. But I want you to know and hear very lovingly because I want you to experience this depth you will not be able to experience the depth of this kind of gratitude and thankfulness if you are not in Christ. I don't mean that you, you prayed a prayer one time, you repeated a prayer back. I don't mean that you don't affirm theology. I like Jesus, I check that box, I'd vote for him. I'm a Christian, I've always been a Christian. If, if a part of your story, if a part of your testimony is, I've always been a Christian, I grew up a Christian, I've always been a Christian, I love you so much, 
That's not a surrendered life to Christ. I've, I have always grown up in a Christian home, but I am not indwelled by the Holy Spirit and have a surrendered life in faith to Christ because of anything that has to do with Robert and Anne Fuquay or my grandparents. Right? It is a personal surrender that I had to look at my brokenness and look at the only God who knew how to redeem that and allowed me to redeem that and surrender my life and put my faith in Christ and Christ alone. And so if you're in this room and you're still exploring that and wrestling with that or you think you're there because you would affirm Christianity intellectually or theologically or culturally, great, praise God, that's a big step, but you won't experience this. We believe in a triune God right? A, a, a father who sees how far we are and then sent his son, the second person of this, this triune God, to pay for the penalty that I deserve and then raise again. And for those who put their faith fully, their surrender in him and say, yes, my life is yours. My life is yours now. Then we get that. The Holy Spirit comes and seals us. And that is how we have access to the kind of depth that happens in Psalm 103. God, thank you that you've forgiven my sins. I'm so gratitude. There's so much gratitude in my heart for that. God, thank you that you've redeemed my life and my mess, and you are continuing to redeem my life and my mess because it's not a quick fix. And thank you for your love of a God of the universe and the identity in which that gives me and the mercy that you've shown me that I don't deserve Right? That doesn't come because I got taught it. It comes because the Holy Spirit in me says, that's your father. You are his son. That changes everything, okay? I want you to hear that. I need you to hear that. That if you're not in Christ, then praise God that you're here, but you're not going to be able to tap into that. And for those of you who are in Christ, that we would all feel convicted of, but am I going deep? Am I just staying in the shallow? Um, World War II, I am incredibly thankful for the men and women who made sacrifices, uh, which shaped our country for the better, for the country that I'm raising my boys in. Um, I praise God for the people who fought and, and ultimately sacrificed their lives in World War II. I really am grateful for that. But compared to if I was a Jew in a concentration camp in 1945, and the allies move into the German city and they kill my enemies and they scare away the rest and they break the chains and the gates and they rip them open and I've been separated from my wife in a different concentration camp assuming I would never see her or my children again and I get reunited with them being set free from what was purely death, just living death and I meet them on the road again and there's allies there who have, who have reunited me and saved me and set me free the gratitude that those people would have would be so much deeper, right, than me, who really is grateful, but the depth in which I understand that because I don't understand the depth in which I've been set free. Do you see? Do you see how important this intimate personal relationship and redemption and salvation is to our gratitude? That's where it comes from reminded of the gospel, right? This salvation, this relationship has to be personal. Titus 3. And we could preach a four-week series on Titus 3, but I'm just going to read it for us so that we can worship. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, 
passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. Just bad news, right? This is us. We were, we were slaves, right? We were slaves. We were locked away. We were locked away by our own sin, by our own disobedience. This is the bad news. Verse 4, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So that being justified, being made right, what was wrong, how wrong I was, that I was made right with God, being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Man, Titus chapter 3 three through seven, if that's not something that is written on a post-it note somewhere in your life this next week, I'd really challenge you. Spend some time there as you try to till the depths of where gratitude is. Titus three, three through seven. Titus three, three through seven. And, and there's so much here. God, look what you've done. This is who I was. This is who I was. This is where I was trapped. This is what my sin had done. This is what I deserved. But look what you've done and look why you've done it. You're good. You're kind. The Holy Spirit has been given to me. You have regenerated. You've renewed. You've justified your grace. I'm now an heir. Literally, my identity has been changed. I'm now a son of God. I'm not just a member of the club who can kind of have a back row seat. I am a son who gets a seat at the table. That's a beautiful, amazing stuff that. That, guys, is where the depth of our thankfulness comes from, right? That's the kind of depth that I want to tap into every day. Salvation, the Spirit of God, all of his promises that as an heir, I get to be a part of those promises that are, are for me. Everything should change, right? Everything should change. Changes our perspective. And so then what's produced? If I'm tapped into that as the source then what are the symptoms of that? What's produced from that? Freedom, for one, right? It's a, it's a just look at how, how that tool leads to this effect. Look at Philippians 4. We're gonna see, real quickly, Philippians 4, we're gonna see an effect of what happens with that thankfulness. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. So he's saying, be thankful, be thankful, rejoice, praise. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand, and then look, what about anxiousness? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with what? With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. You, you see a correlation here. We, we see this idea of, okay, my anxiousness. I don't just need to shake it off. I take it to the Lord in prayer and supplication with what? With thanksgiving that comes as a response from what I'm thankful for, of who he is and what he's done and this, this God that I have access to. Right, like that's an, a massive part of it. A thankful heart, it influences my freedom from those things, right? It's that humming effect like the machine in the storage area, this humming effect that pushes out. I don't have room for those other things, right? This should encourage you. It should give you hope, but also it should be a diagnostic. Are those things, are you still sitting on those things? that God says, man, let my thankfulness push those things out of your head and your heart. And this is not some easy Christian formula to dial up. Right? It's a tool to help you build spiritual muscle to, to fight sin and to, to have a defense against his attack. Let me just give some examples in, in, and then I'll close this. 
real practically, this beautiful picture of thankfulness, real practically in your life tomorrow. Let's say you are stuck or have been or experienced seasons where you're just stuck in lust, right? Whether it's, whether it's a lust uh, that, that manifests itself in a relationship, you know, a romantic relationship, whether it's lust um, that manifests itself in, in pornography addiction or anything like that. And maybe you get little waves of freedom from that and you're like, okay, I'm doing pretty good. And, I, and, and you, always are, you always just feel like, man, empty or dirty or, or those things. Or how do I really, sh- I know I'm not supposed to. And, and all of those things, let me play out what gratitude, what happens with gratitude is just an example, a case study. Um, lust definitionally is what? It's your heart saying, I don't have something and I want it, right? Lust is this idea of like, I don't have this thing and I want it. Maybe it's a girlfriend or a boyfriend. Maybe it's, maybe it's just pornography or something you see on a screen and you see it and there's something in your heart that says, I want that. And I, I want the immediate gratification of that. Th- that's what your heart is saying. That's the humming that's going on. And what is gratitude? Gratitude is, I am overwhelmed by what you have given me. I am so thankful. You have given me so much. And so those, those things don't coexist, right? I can't simultaneously be in a place where my heart, what's driving my heart is I don't have it and I want it. I can't have that driving my heart while also simultaneously I have driving my heart. I'm overwhelmed with all of the gifts you've given me. I'm overwhelmed with your presence. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Those don't, those don't sit behind the same steering wheel, right? Maybe it's not lust. Maybe it's fear, right? Maybe it's fear. It's fear of what's next after this season of your life. Maybe it's fear of failing. Whatever it is, fear. What, what, what's happening with fear? What's driving the steering wheel in your life with fear? It's, well, what if that happens, right? It's this idea of, of wait, what, what might happen around the corner? What might happen, whether it's whatever the consequences are? And what does gratitude say? It says, look at all that has happened, Look at what you've already done for me. Look at your consistent character. I can't have both of them. I can't, I can't consistently be, but what if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? And also simultaneously say, wow, you've done so much. Wow, you've provided for me. Wow, look at all that you've done. Wow, look at your character. Wow, look at, look at the blessings of my past. Wow, look at how you've never abandoned me. Both of them can't drive. You see how gratitude squeezes out those other things. Um, anger, I'll just, anger is the last one. Um, Right? You've been wronged. And rightfully, like, you've been wronged. You're not just being a baby about it. Somebody has really wronged you. And in your heart, anytime you think about them or say it, it pops up that you're angry. There's a lack of forgiveness there. And, and rightfully so, they hurt you. But that anger, that lack of forgiveness, that bitterness is really only affecting you. Right? It's just making you bitter. And, and we so often we think, well, I just need to stop being bitter. I just need to stop lusting. I need to just stop doing it. Instead of saying, I need to start being bitter grateful for what God's done. I need to start experiencing a, a deeper depth in my thankfulness of what God's done. And so it's this proactive step, and I can't, I can't hold on to this idea of look what you've done and simultaneously hold on to this thankfulness of God, look what you've done. God, look what you've done for me. Look at the mercy you've shown me, a sinner. Gratitude pushes those things out. Gratitude taps into what God has done in a way that is going to draw us back to the spirit that's going to produce his fruit. So next steps. Next steps I'm going to challenge you is like David in Psalm 103. Train your heart, right? Train your heart towards gratitude. 
Right? Make it a discipline in your life, whatever that looks like. Right? I have a hard time praying and not like, if I'm just like sitting down, I'm like, all right, man, I'm going to spend time with Jesus. I'm going to start praying. I start praying and I'm like, I'm a good solid 45 seconds in and I'm like, oh man, I got 19 emails I haven't replied to. And you know, I'm, I'm praying and I'm like, oh, what am I going to do for lunch today? Right? Like my mind wanders. And so for me, I, I have to journal. God, look what you've done. I'm going to be gracious because I just need my mind. So whatever those things look like to be able to train your heart towards, towards gratitude, what you listen to, the music you listen to, the way you train your thoughts, soul, bless the Lord, God. We need you. And then secondly, that you don't settle for shallow gratitude. Right? That you don't leave here and say, yeah, I need to be more thankful. I need to be a more thankful person. But you say, God, I want to stare at Titus 3 for a week and be moved by what you've done. God, I want to see the depth of who I am and what I deserve and what I've been given as an heir if I'm in Christ and only if I'm in Christ. And the gap there is amazing. Lord, look at how you've bridged it. That we don't settle for some shallow gratitude, but you spend the rest of your life saying, God, I want to, I want to know what you've done more and more. I want to know your character. I want to see you. Here's what we're going to do to end this time. Um, I'm going to pray for us, and then um, I, I want to do something different this morning because I want to give you guys a space. I, I know what's going to happen because it, it happens for me. When the service ends, it's great, and you're going to mingle for a little bit, and you're going to head out, and then the rest of your world and the rest of the distractions and the rest of all of those things are going to be waiting for you. And so I want just this morning to give you some extra space, just a few extra minutes to be able to sit and remember and let the Holy Spirit remind you, or potentially the Holy Spirit convict you, or potentially the Holy Spirit knock, saying, you're not mine, but I want you to be mine. And so here, um, the band's going to go ahead and come on back up right now, and they're going to lead uh, one more song. And if you want to stand and worship, if you want to sit and just be worshiped over, there's no right or wrong way to do this. So just whatever is most comfortable for you. But they're going to lead one more song. And then when it ends, I'm going to come back up here, and I'm going to prompt us, and I'm going to give us just three minutes. They're going to continue to just play over us, but I'm going to prompt us and just let you pray. God, would you remind me? Before I go back out into the world, would you remind me? And let me tell you something really powerful about the body of Christ. I, I want to encourage you to pray, and if you just want to sit there, or if you just want to keep standing and, and pray, if you want to get up and get on your knees in the back of the room, or if you want to sit somewhere else, it's just three minutes to do that. But also, I want to tell you something too. Man, to be prayed over is such a powerful thing. Um, one of the cool things today that's happening at this service is we've got um, multiple elders. So our church is a part of a much bigger church, and the spiritual leadership of our church um, are, are men who are called the elders of our church, right? They've been voted on, um, and they are really the spiritual leaders and backbones and overseers of Christ Chapel. And so there's multiple of them with their wives in the room this morning. And so when we do that time, um, when we give you that three or four minutes, uh, they're going to be standing up. There's going to be kind of one in this area back here up the aisle, one over here. They're going to be spread out in the room. There'll also be some staff. Even if you don't even know what to pray for, just go and say, would you pray over me that I could have a spirit of gratitude? Have an elder and his wife, the two of them lay their hands on your shoulders and just pray for you. Let the spirit move through them Maybe you have something specific that you want prayer for. We're going to give you time to do that. It's kind of a unique, really special thing we're going to get to do. And so I just encourage you, whatever obedience looks like, there's no right or wrong way to do that. If you want to take advantage of, man, just getting prayed over, great. If you want to just sit in your seat and do business with the Lord, do that. Father, we love you. We need you. Would you do what only your spirit can do right now? Which is just bring about transformation. Would we leave here 
um, changed. Changed because we're reminded of what you've done, how you've done it, why you did it, because you're kind and merciful and gracious. So Lord, as we go back into worshiping, Lord, would we not just sing a song, sing lyrics off a back wall, but God, would we truly worship in response? And, and if we are far from you or have been stiff-arming you or have turned you into a, a, a box that we check or a theological category, God, would we turn from that and would we initiate that you have initiated already, would we say yes to a, a personal relationship with the God of the universe who makes us sons and daughters? Undeservingly makes us sons and daughters. For all of us, God, take us deeper. Take us deeper into who you are and what you've done so that our response would be thank you, thank you, praise you, praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.